0: We're going over Rhodey's road win escaping UMass last Saturday and what the coronavirus has done to end this year's NCAA men's basketball 2019-2020 season. We will talk about it all with Colin Struckman joining me later in the season finale of Ballin' with B-Show Season 2. We have it all here, all for you on Ballin' with B-Show. And welcome to episode twenty of season two, the season finale episode of Ball of B Show. Wishing I could get more episodes in, but we'll talk about the reasons why I can't due to the coronavirus ending college basketball later. But we can still go over rounds game last weekend against UMass. At stake a hand, a win or a St. Louis loss would give Rhode Island the three seed, but if Rhode Island wanted an A-10 tournament shot and Dayton to lose before they get to the championship, they needed a Rhode Island win and a St. Louis win, so Rhode Island couldn't mess around with UMass at all. UMass jumped out to an early 6-4 lead with 17 minutes and 40 seconds left in the first half, but a 19-0 run for the Rhode Island Rams surged them up 17, 23-6 with around 10 minutes left in the first half. By halftime, Rhode Island clung to a 7-point lead after a little comeback by UMass. UMass ended up taking the lead after Trey Mitchell's 6-3 balls in the game total. One of them led to a 1-point lead, 59-58, with a minute and 11 seconds left. Uri was down 1. They get a layup by Fats with around 12 seconds left, and then right after that, an easy layup for Trey Mitchell down low. UMass went back up 62-63, to But Fats Russell gets the ball, drives the lane, and takes care of it himself. He gets fouled and makes both free throws take the lead with 2.2 seconds left as the Rams escape the Mullen Center and UMass with a win, securing that number three seed in the Atlantic 10 tournament. URI was led by Cyril Langevin. He had 12 points, 11 rebounds. Tyrese Martin had 11 points and 7 rebounds, as well as Fats had 11 points. But he filled the stat sheet up with 5 rebounds and 5 assists and those game-winning free throws, crucial to a roadie victory. As a team, the Rams shot 45.5% from the field, 4 for 13 from 3, 38, 30.8%. They did shoot below average 55.6% from the free throw line, going 10 for 18, and turning the ball over only 9 times. While UMass was led by freshman sensation, Trey Mitchell, he had 34 points at 6'10. He had 34 points and he hit six threes, uh, 12 rebounds and four assists. Shawnee's his second, did some damage. He had 12 points and seven assists as the Minutemen shot 37.5% from the field, 9 for 29 from three, 31%, and did very well from the free throw line, shooting 18 for 21 and 85.7% mark. And they only turned the ball over 10 times. So that win the Rams just looked like they were gonna cruise to victory, but UMass fought and fought and fought and in the middle of this happening in the second half, I looked at the, the St. Louis score and they're at like fourteen at half against St. Bonaventure. So I'm thinking, all right, Ronald needs to win. Looking like they it was meek. It was game the momentum was all on UMass's side, but Fats Russell carried it home and shut the door to make URI the three seed in the Atlantic ten tournament. Before we get into the whole tournament, on Monday, the A-10 awards were uh, announced and Rhode Island's own Fats Russell at, uh, made the A-10 all, uh, all-conference first team as well as Jalen Crutcher, Obi Toppin, Jacob Gilliard, Kyle Lofton, and Jordan Goodwin. Jeff Downe made the all-conference third team and the all-academic team. Looking into the big single-player awards, of course, player of the year to Dayton's OB Toppin. Unbelievable year for him and the Dayton Flyers. Defensive Player of the Year, Richmond's Jacob Gilliard. Rookie of the Year, of course, saw him a couple times. He heard us both times just talking about him. UMass' Trey Mitchell. Uh, Most Improved Player from George Mason, A.J. Wilson. Sixth Man of the Year from St. Louis, Javante Perkins. And Coach of the Year, Coach of the Number 3 Team in the Nation, Dayton Flyers, Anthony Grant. And this is where... Things start to go crazy, literally crazy. So there's speculation. Uh, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday that people are uh, a uh, not uh, conference tournaments will not have fans. Certain tournaments are, certain tournaments won't. It's just just the concern more than anything, or to limited access to the fans. So just families and media and all that stuff. Um. A-10 released two announcements on Wednesday, played two games. Uh, Fordham beat George Washington by 10, and St. Louis' season was ended by A.J. Wilson and the George Mason Patriots. So those two games were played, and two statements were made by the A-10. Due to the coronavirus, they will go on with the uh, A-10 as scheduled, with fans, with everything, while the Big Ten, the Big 12, acts fans. Nothing going. And then on Wednesday, it was announced that the Ram, uh, not the Ram, that the NCAA tournament will be held without fans. So it went zero to hundred real quick. On Monday, no one was thinking about it. Uh, people were like, "Eh, maybe a little risky going to the tournament, but we'll be fine." Then Tuesday, fans start getting banned. Wednesday, the NCAA bans fans from March Madness. People are all sad about that, which I get. Fans love March Madness and they are a crucial part in what makes March Madness at the games. I totally get it. And then disaster strikes. On Wednesday night, Rudy Gobert, NBA player for the Utah Jazz, uh confirmed uh by a doctor that he had the coronavirus, which basically shut down the NBA. The NBA shut down all everything um all its uh, the league for at least 30 days, which came out yesterday. Um, but the NBA shut down. Everyone's going crazy. Once the NBA shut down, every single conference tournament from then on canceled fans because of the coronavirus. Because um, they didn't want to get anyone this to spread. And though I'm very upset, I was like, you know what? I know we can't go to Brooklyn because I had tickets and everything. But at least we can play And maybe get a shot to go to the NCAA tournament. And then I was in English class the next day. And I was told by our English teacher to go on our computers and edit our papers. And I get, like, so many alerts when I open my computer. And then I realized all Power 5 conferences and tournaments have been canceled. The A-10 would be canceled. Later, the AAC, the Big East, everything was canceled. And now I'm thinking, what's going on? Who's going to make the NCAA tournament? What the heck is happening? It was just mayhem. It, it was just plain out mayhem. No A-10 tournament. In a matter of four days, it went from a A-10 tournament with fans to A-10 tournament without fans to no A-10 tournament at all. At that point, I knew it was over. The NCAA tournament couldn't happen if there were no conference tournaments. And nothing came out in that next day. Uh, Florida State was even crowned ACC champions as the one seed. And if they do that for the A-10, I'll be fine giving Dayton the one uh, the A-10 championship. They played great all year. Number three team in the nation, probably a one seed. So I can give them the A-10 championship. They're just a, a heck of a team. They had a heck of a season. Um, they dominated on every level. They'd never lost an A-10 game. I think that deserves, if anyone gets the A-10 championship, um, it would be them. So then yesterday, the reports came out on Thursday uh, Thursday night that the NCAA tournament was canceled, that all winter tournaments or championships for the NCAA were canceled, and even spring championships were canceled. So it's basically been the worst 72 hours in sports history, if I can put it that way. Nothing's on. I mean, the MLB suspended operations. They're moving back to late April, May. The NHL has been is postponed. I mean, the NBA is go uh, gone, of course, well, not gone, but postponed. Uh, the XFL has even uh finished its season, uh due to coronavirus, and it's basically just it, it's been it's weird. The last three days have been very weird. Um, just by the way, everything is everyone's so cautious about it, and I totally get it. So then. No A-10 tournament for Rhode Island Rams. No NCAA tournament for anyone. And you got to feel for a fan of the Dayton Flyers. I'm pointing them out especially because they're not always up there. They're not always number three. This was their best season ever in history. I guess the yin-yang must have hit them because they were unbelievable. And if I was a fan of a team that went 26-2, and The one seed in their conference tournament and never lost a conference game and couldn't participate in an NCAA tournament, man, that would suck. I would feel terrible. And I really feel bad for those fans because that team was so good and they had a solid chance. People were saying they won the national championship and it wasn't like a bad thought. Like this team would have been in my final four, would have been in my national championship probably, if not even my champion. Dayton was an unbelievable team, and you got to feel for the fans. Coming on to join and expand to talk about this whole coronavirus situation is host of Strucky Sports Talk, Colin Struckman. Colin, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. It's a pretty dark time in the sports world, but I think we'll get through it sooner than later, hopefully.
0: Yeah, hopefully with all those leagues shutting down. But as we saw, it was... Happened very quickly. I mean, last week. I mean, even last Saturday night, when you were at wanting clinch that three seed, I there was no thought in the back of my head that it can get this dramatic.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. It was probably the last thought in my head. You know, we had been hearing for a while that the coronavirus was, you know, kind of sweeping across the world, but I didn't think it would be this drastic, especially in all these sports that are seemingly shutting down at this moment.
0: Yeah, so then then you heard rumblings on Monday and Tuesday and what was going on and then Wednesday night, once they started banning fans and then the NBA was canceled, it really started going downhill for college basketball. And it ended up leading to the cancellation of the best tournament uh, of the year. Every year, the sixty eighteen tournament the NCAA hosts, and it's just empty. There's no sports on right now, there's no bracketology, they won't move the a bracket. I mean, it's just crazy.
1: It it just it's honestly it's hard to explain. Like you get speechless talking about it just cuz we haven't seen something like this in sports in a really long time and I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. So it's truly remarkable the effect that it's had and I'm just curious to see what's going to happen next, you know, when these leagues are going to resume, what they're going to do with these college athletes um if they're going to get more eligibility. I know the spring athletes will, and the NCAA is working on granting some of these winter athletes an extra year of eligibility. So I hope they do, and we're just going to have to see moving forward.
0: Yeah, th- very tough subject because, I mean, you're talking about um, these players in the winter sports especially who want eligibility back, and you're like, well, you played the whole season, but on the other side, it's like, but we've played this whole season to try to get to the tournament. If the tournament's not there, why we want to play? Which I totally get. So it'll definitely be uh, interesting to see. Uh, and it's affected necessarily every sport in America, besides probably, I would say, baseball, because it seems like it could just be like the same thing as uh, if a lockout were to occur. So um, that's the only sport where I see it doesn't get the full effect of it. But I mean, NHL, NBA, everything is just like, it's just a crazy point in time. And it ended up, uh, as you were saying, Killing all the uh, careers of these seniors in these winter sports um, whose championships were canceled, uh, such as basketball. So that brings me to the next topic is that means on the way out without a chance at an A10 championship again is Cyril Langevin and Jeff Doughton. And I think their careers, um, both of them, were amazing. And of course, when you talk about you are great, you talk about Tyson Wheeler at point guard. You talk about Ernie Calvary. All these people, all these great players. But these two people, Jeff Down and Cyril Langevin, these players, they probably have racked up the most top, I, I would think, I don't know how this check, but the most wins by a URI guard forward duo, maybe in history.
1: Yeah, you talk about these two. They just had some illustrious careers at URI. And I really didn't get hooked on URI basketball until like I'd say 2017 so the first game I ever went to was the URI VCU game you know that's when EC Matthews was playing we all know that and they it was a packed arena pretty much sold out they beat VCU they went on to win the A-10 championship and then go to the tournament and they ended up beating Creighton and then almost beating Oregon I think they should have won that game but uh you know we'll move past that uh so it stinks for these guys that they didn't get a chance to go to the tournament again cuz they went twice during their career and you know but at least they got to go twice to the NCAA tournament and they're part of that team that that season when they beat Oklahoma in the tournament. I think they had to be the best team in the A10 that year, correct? Uh yes. Yeah, that was pretty much like a a date in year like the Flyers are having this year. So I think it's very special what they did at URI. I've been a huge fan of Jeff Doughton, just the way he plays, how he's so coachable. I think he's one of the easily the most talented and intelligent players in college basketball.
0: Definitely. I mean, his turnover-to-assist ratio is by far probably the highest, uh, lowest, I mean, rather, um, actually, wait, I think it's highest. Yeah, highest uh, assist-to-turnover ratio in Rhode Island history. I mean, the way he runs the offense as a leader, knowing when the shot clock is, taking down shots, when we can call offensive plays. I mean, his mind on the court, wherever it is, whether on defense or on offense, it's just moving. You you can see like a light bulb above his head whenever he's playing basketball. He's always waiting for something to happen. He's anticipating the next move, and that which makes a great player. And the thing I liked about him is he stepped up. Um, Jarvis Garrett in that first year in 2017, uh, I don't know, yeah, 2017, he was the point guard. He was the leader for around half the year, and he came down with a terrible illness. He lost like 15 pounds in a week. He was very sick. He was out for like uh, two uh, two months, I think, and Jeff Down, this freshman, skinny freshman, just steps in uh, and takes the starting point guard role and runs like a champ. I mean, he led this team to the A-10 tournament. Uh, he was a great spark, and also he had— the most points of the Creighton game. He had 23 points, five rebounds. I mean, I can name a highlight from every year. You have the Creighton game, which is a great game. The year after, in the A-10 semifinals with uh, St. Joe's, Jeff Dowen hit the dagger three, and was hitting floaters like it was nothing. And then last year, of course, you had the VCU game where he hit that nasty shot at the, uh, at the shot clock buzzer in the quarterfinals. And then this year, there's so many. I mean, you had the uh, VCU game where he hit those three straight threes. He showed up a lot in the PC game. The Duke King game, he came in clutch. So I feel like Jeff Dowen, whenever you needed him, he came through. And that was um, why I think he was so dominant. Now, talking about Cyril Langevin, it was slower. I mean, of course, he was behind Hassan Martin and Karan Iverson and just Andre Barry, bigger players. But he always seemed to contribute six to eight points a game, and it, his career was uh, very well, uh, very good as well.
1: Yeah, I watched that uh, Instagram video he put up. I think it was last night, and it made me tear up a little bit. You know, I've I've always thought of this guy as kind of this big goofy guy. I honestly, by any stretch, do not mean that he is the best player on the court. I still think his skills are developing. But he had a great career at URI. He always seemed to be a force to be reckoned with in the paint. And you look at one of his highlights of his career came this year. He had a three against George Washington.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. Um, When he hit that three, I got up and I was like yelling in my house. I was like, what is happening? He just stepped up and hit a three to start the game. That's crazy. But, yeah, he was always someone you could rely on to get, you know, just an amount of points but be physical down low. Kind of like an Hassan French. and at that same age, from St. Louis, both very physical people, both can't shoot free throws, but both can get boards and put it back up. And I feel like Cyril was a huge spark. He was just, he had all the energy. He he was goofy, and I, I love that aspect of him. I love that, how he was different. Where he came was from different. And, you know, he came all the way through the ranks, up to D1, play at a very good uh, school at the time, URI, um, by the time he came in as a freshman, with Dan Hurley coaching, and he is filled in uh, as a backup uh, big. He came in whenever Karan or Hassan had foul trouble. He came in whenever Andre Berry had foul trouble, and there was never really any problems, never really had any attitude problems. He was always has a bulldog mentality, work hard, play hard, and it's just the way he uh, you know, rolled, and especially picked up last year when he got that starting role, and he averaged almost averaged a double-double. He had 14 points a game. He really took off. The numbers this year uh, – Not as much with the points, but with rebounds, they're higher. And he really, you know, led the team this year. Um, I feel like in that St. Louis game, I remember him getting a rebound and him yelling at the team to, like, come on, get the rebound. Like, during the game, everyone could hear him, and he really started a spark, not just on the team, but in the whole Ryan Center. So I feel like, you know, Cyril is a big energy guy, and... I don't know what's going to be without him. I mean, we're going to be left with Antoine Walker and Jermaine Harris. And I think you can agree, he's gotten in the last, like, I don't know if season's over, but the last two games, the UMass game and in the Dayton game, he showed a little bit of light.
1: As you know, I'm not the biggest Jermaine Harris fan in the world, but he, you know, he did show a little spark there, and I think he'll continue to get a little better um, the first few minutes of the Dayton game, he actually played pretty well, which I was very surprised by that, because Dayton, obviously, one of the best teams in the country. But I think we'll see from Jermaine Harris in the offseason. I hope he comes back ready to go. I think David Cox is going to expect a lot out of him with the without the presence of Langevin. So this is going to be a very different team next year, and Jermaine Harris has got to step it up.
0: Definitely. And also, I think it's very odd that URI has something most other Universities don't right now, and they have three open scholarships. Um, with everyone leaving, they have they have three spots. So they've got two guards. They have uh, Ishmael Leggett, who's done very good in the D.M.V. area, and as well as Elijah Wood. So those are two solid guards you got coming in. You know, probably through that place that Jeff Doughton role uh, in the near future. But if Rhode Island wants to be competitive, they got to go after some big man, and they had some couple at the VCU game. They had one at the Dayton game. Not. Sure, how he feels after that one. Rodon got trounced, but if I'm David Cox right now, season's over, and you, you can't really recruit, you can't recruit uh, as the coronavirus thing until April fifteenth. But it's gonna start getting too late. He's gotta start latching on some big men, um, and and soon. Uh, Rodon had a chance to get one, I think, last year, but he chose FSU, Nahima instead of Rhode Island. But David Cox has to go over some get to get some big man.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, I think we're going to see a tremendous season out of Jacob Topp, and I hope he's in the starting lineup. And honestly, besides probably Fats Russell, he's going to have his biggest season at URI and probably going to have the best season out of anyone besides Fats Russell, I think, this next season.
0: Uh, that's. A, I mean, I, I can see that happening. I mean, he's a spark, another Spark player who can, you know, if he can get that three-point shot to go in a little bit more and, you know, get you know a little bit of muscle get a get a little bit, a little bit of weight he's a little skinny right now but if he can get a little stronger down low he have a little bit of presence but then step out and hit a, hit a couple threes every once in a while no one's going to be upset about that and he can be a good role he can look like his older brother obi but and yeah so yeah jacob Toppin has you know the prowess to be a great Rodan basketball player and i'm excited to see what he does and of course Rodan with the way they recruit guards and a great manner. I mean, that's think about the last couple of guards: Jared Terrell, That's Russell, Jeff Doughton, E.C. Matthews. It's it's the guard you of the Northeast. So these two, Elijah Wood and Ishmael Leggett, have a lot to look up to. Um, but I think they can do it, especially with um Rhode Island having Jeremy Shepard transferring in. Um, he couldn't play this year, kind of upset because we could have really used him as a deadly three-point shooter. So we'll see how it goes and. Hopefully, Rhode Island, obviously not going to be favorites next year in the A-10, missing those two key players. But if they can get a big man or two uh, with those three spots, no one will be complaining.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And honestly, the complexion of the A-10, I think, is going to change a lot. Uh, we're probably going to see Obi Toppin go at least top five in the NBA. And I honestly, honestly think Jalen Crutcher might be in that same direction.
0: Yeah, Jalen Crutcher's a great player. I think you could... Uh, get drafted and if he doesn't he can go undrafted and still make it up there. I think he's a grinder. I think he's a great player and I think the future is bright for him. That's going to be it. Um uh, thank you for coming on, Colin.
1: Yeah, of course, anytime.
0: All right, that's going to be it for today's podcast and it's kind of sad. Looking back on the season, we accomplished a lot of great things. I mean, we down finished 21 and 9, 13-5 in the A10, at the 3 seed, you know, better than many people thought. So, looking back, it just, I know, the the PC game, having Colin on a couple of times was great over the past season, and of course, uh, interviewing Asan Martin was an amazing experience. So the things we've gone through the last, you know, year, uh, or a couple months, I would say, uh, basketball year, uh, have been, you know, roller coaster of emotions up and down through thick and thin, and it's been my favorite year uh, to do this podcast uh, over last year. And yeah, full year, first full year, and I'm feeling great, feeling better than ever. Got a solid 20 episodes in. Wish I could have gotten more, but of course, with the coronavirus concerns it ended quickly. Uh, the college basketball season, so it is what it is. But we will move on. This is gonna be it for season two of Ball with B Show. Any updates or alerts will be on my podcast account on BWB Show at Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, so if you want to check that out, there might be some updates there if I ever do post another episode. Don't think I will, but if there's anything, it will be on there. So any alerts on there, but that's probably going to be it for Season 2 of Bone with B-Show. To everyone who listened throughout the whole season, thank you very much uh, for supporting me, for supporting this podcast. It's been a heck of a journey, and I hope to continue it next year and for many more years to come. And for the last time this year... Rody, Rody, Rody. Hey,
1: the ball is ticked, and there you. You're running for your life, you're a shooting star In all the years,
0: no one knows just how hard you worked But now it shows, in one shining moment, it's all on the line
1: Time is short and the road is long In the blinking of an eye, that moment's gone And when it's
0: done, win or lose You always did your best Cause inside you knew that in one shining moment It's more than a contest, it's more